Welcome to Stall Warning, a show talking all things lacrosse. I am your host, Ponchito Ojeda. Today I am joined by 101 Lacrosse, Northern California Director, John Murray. And we have a special guest today, Universal Lacrosse Store and Events Manager, Mike Murray. John and Mike, how are we doing? Doing good. Uh, weather, weather shifted up here in Northern California. Got a little bit of break from the heat. So enjoying that while it lasts. Yep. Nice. Always well. good to have uh, some warm weather. Yeah, Mike, how's things up in Summit, New Jersey? We are doing really well in Summit, New Jersey. Had some really good days and uh, seeing kids outside, kids coming through the store. So, uh, you know, things are looking bright up here. Nice. And, uh, you know, we've been, all been watching lots of Last Dance. Now, hey, just, just, just so you know, no spoiler today because I have not watched episode seven and eight. Uh, but just give us a little thoughts, a uh, quick review. What'd you guys think of, of last night's stuff? It was good. Um, kind of deep dove into, uh, Michael and, uh, you know, his, uh, the, probably the, the lowest point of his career. Um, it was just really cool to see how he rebounded from that and his just total intensity on winning and winning at all costs. Uh, it was really awesome. It was probably my favorite two episodes so far. Yeah, I got to agree. I mean, you know, I was a guy that was born in 95, so I didn't get to experience any of this. So when people talk about how he just won three in a row back to back, you know, you could kind of just say it and put him up on that pedestal. But, you know, this guy is human and this guy went through a lot. And like John just said, we, you know, his lowest point of his career uh, is really cool seeing how, you know, you come back and still you know, with that competitive mindset, just be so dominant. Um, it's really cool to watch. So you got yourself a good episode to watch. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I, I'm I'm pumped. I, I love the Jordan stuff. I, I grew up watching him and I kind of saw the tail end of the Isaiah Magic Larry Bird days and uh, the air rushing in of Jordan. And it was it was incredible. So it's a lot of fun to watch this stuff for us. Um, and my wife's from Chicago, so she she eats it up. Um Hey, so we're we're super lucky to have you on the on the pod today, Mike. And uh, just give us a little insight into what the landscape in lacrosse is like up there in Summit. Um, tell us a little bit about that, since uh, our listeners certainly want to know. Yeah, for sure. And uh, big fan of the pod. Love hearing about all the club stuff. I was a club guy myself back in college, except I was NCLL, not MCLA. So um, yeah, the atmosphere up here it's definitely something that I take for granted. You know, being uh, Having a brother that lives out in California, when I see it out there, you know, you really see the difference. Uh, I run a store and I string a lot of sticks for a lot of people, but, you know, the high school kids, uh, even really the middle school kids in my direct area are so in tune with the game. They string their own sticks. Uh, they're out hitting the walls around town. Uh, it's really, it's really, I mean, I'm sure it's a lot different too. When you go to Maryland or even Long Island, uh, it's just hardcore lacrosse all the time, all year round, enough for me to, you know, have a business 24 seven, you know, 365 days a year. So it's really, it's really a good life I got up here. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And, and shout out to universal lacrosse, uh, for making you available for this and, and for supporting the MCLA, you know, I'm an MCLA guy myself and really appreciate their sponsorship of the, of the, of the league. So, uh, you know, but today we're we're here to talk about the PLL and and we're excited to talk about the draft. So 
we'll hop right into this mock draft. Uh, fortunately, John has put it together for us, and uh, Mike and I are just going to basically tell John how he's wrong, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, but let's give a couple of things for you guys. Uh, first, if you want more information on the PLL, make sure you check out Paul Carcaterra. Uh, if you're not following him on Twitter, you definitely should. We'll put his handle in the show notes. And then you can also check out uh, Pro Lacrosse Talk. They have some good articles, and they also do a podcast, which is worthy of a good listen. So check it out. Uh, the draft is on May 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can watch on NBC, NBC Sports Network. We all know that you're bored out of your mind and you are been quarantined, so there's no reason to not watch it live. Give the PLL some good ratings and help grow the game of lacrosse. A uh, couple of logistical things. Only two rounds for this draft, and all traded picks will be reverted to 2021. So any sort of trades that happened in the offseason will not affect this draft. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to John, and he'll uh, start firing away this mock draft. Let's go. All right, so number one, we have the Archers. They won this pick in the tournament they had at the end of last year, and I don't think they waste any time getting right into business. I think they take the best available guy off the board first, and that's Grant Amen out of Penn State. I think he's a plug-and-play starter for them at attack. Um, kind of gives them that creator role to play with Will Manny and Marcus Holman and kind of take some of the creative pressure off of Tom Schreiber. And I have him going number one. Yeah, I mean, I obviously Amon's uh, the best player in college lacrosse, I think, right now. But the in reality, I just, I just don't know why they'd make this pick right here. You know, they they have uh, rights to Pat Spencer; he might play. They have Schreiber, they have Holm, and they have Manny. They scored a lot of goals. I don't think that's a problem. They need to find ways to get more faceoff dubs. And I don't know why you don't go for a guy like Peyton Smith. Or, you know, grab a defender like Mellon who could help shore up their defense and get ground balls off the wing. I just see other guys being able to be more impactful from a plug-and-play standpoint for what they have today. Uh, But, I mean, Eamon is good, so it's hard to argue with him not being number one. Yeah, I'll just go ahead and uh, add my take. And I'm going to back up John on this one because, number one, uh, Grant Ammon, is really a generational talent. If you pass on a guy like that, you're only going to spend the next few seasons regretting that you, you didn't take him, that you're playing against him. Um, I think something that you're not really considering is that this is a fast-paced league where you score more goals, you win. And something that the Archers kind of struggled with last season is uh, Marcus Holman. Marcus Holman is a really good player, and more importantly, he's a very good shooter. And he plays well off the ball. He plays well off the ball. He can create, as can Manny, but they really, um, especially when they became pros, could see how good they can really be if they're not the ones that have to create their own shot. And if you stick Amen out on the field where he could be the primary ball carrier, and even Tom Schreiber, Tom Schreiber scored the world championship game-winning goal off the ball. And so I think if you stick Amen in there, there's just no way you can stop the archers. And if you make that your primary focus, you can find yourself on championship weekend. Yeah, I like that. Like Ponch said, Grant Amen is good. He should go number one. Yeah, I, the only thing I'd say is uh, if Pat Spencer plays, I think you have a log jam attack, and now all of a sudden you have a problem with keeping everyone happy. All right, moving on to the second pick for the Atlas. I have them picking Brian Costable, midfielder out of Notre Dame. I think he's been 
in my lifetime, probably the most technically sound midfielder I've ever seen play the game. Uh, he can create um, his shot. He can dodge the number one long ball on the team. And I think off ball, he stretches the field because he's a dangerous time and room shooter. It's going to be interesting to see him play with a two-point arc. Yeah, I mean, Costabile's a stud. Uh, Mike, what do you think of this pick before I just jump in there? I'm also on board with this pick. You know, I did a mock draft for the first uh, first round, at least. And, you know, having Costabile up there, uh, for the, a lot of the reasons that I would pick Amen, it's just that, you know, when you got a guy like that, it's, I see him as a Ryan Brown at the midfield. So I would take him at number two as well. Got it. Well, I guess I'll just be the naysayer here. I'm just the, the hater. Uh, you know, I, I would probably take Michael Krause here. I think he's a, a better attackman than he's getting credit for. I think he could do a great job of freeing up Ryan Brown and Eric Law for open shots. Um, and he and Eric Law could play great in a two-man game. And I just think when you have Rabel at the midfield, I think it's hard to bring in like Koshbill in, who's used to being ball-dominant midi, and having him be a second or third option You know, for the other guys on the team. So I, I would probably go with Krause here. Um, but I think either way, you're probably picking an offensive pick. So, you know, it's not going to kill you to have Costaville. So moving on to the third overall pick held by the Water Dogs, the expansion team. I have them taking Nick Mellon, defender out of Syracuse. I think he's the best available um, defender in this draft. Um, I think the way the Water Dogs, um, their mindset is with their expansion draft is very defensive focused and two-way midfielder focused. So without um, a real dominant two-way midi in this draft, I think they take the best available defensive guy. Well, yeah, the other thing Mellon does for them is he's kind of like a Carolinas type. Like he can be really well getting up and down the field. He's fast. He's got good stick work. He's used to playing that, you know, Syracuse fast paced transition stuff. So I think he'd be awesome pick for the water dogs here. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mellon's going to go high. He's, he's a, obviously the best defender in the draft, but uh, if you look at the water dogs roster, they do not have a faceoff man. And if they do not have a faceoff man at this point, I think that they're looking to, you know, go high in the draft and maybe get the number one faceoff guy, you know, with the third pick and with Amen up there, you know, it, he might be bound to drop to you. So I think they would go for that, you know, for the for their immediate need. Yeah, I think that's been um, a real question point is with all drafts in general, like do you pick need or do you pick best available? Um and I think I think I'd gear this draft a little bit towards best available and a little bit towards need. Um, but in my mind, it's you pick the best available, you make it work on your team. Um, and that's what I had with this third pick. I mean, picks one through five, right? Aren't they all? I mean, you could swap them all around and still be okay with them ending up on any of these teams. So yeah, it's a little bit of splitting. So moving on to the Chrome's pick for number four, I have them taking Mark Evanchik, defender out of UPenn. Um, this is a definitely need for Chrome. I feel like if they had um, a few better defender defensive moments last year, they flipped their season around. They lost a lot of one-goal games. Um, and as we talked about in our preview for next year, they had the number one rated offense last year. Um, so they could definitely score goals. And I think... With a few more defensive upgrades, they'll be a real turnaround team next year. 
Yeah, I mean, Evanchik's a great, great pick for them, and they, they need defense, no, no doubt about it. I mean, that's that's what you need. You got the you got the guys on offense, and Jordan Wolf and Justin Gutterding, who have uh, you know ice in their veins. So you need that lockdown on defense, and I think you need someone to play in front of their goalie. You know, Galloway and Queener are both um, a little bit older. I think they're really good goalies, and they're really good communicators. But they could probably use a strong defense in front of them to give them shots that are more savable. I think Galloway saw a lot of shots that were not saveable last year. Yeah, going off, uh, you know, the defense focus for the Chrome, I wouldn't be surprised if they went for a two-way midfielder. You know, if they if they go for a guy who, I mean, think about their midfielders. Um, you know, I guess Danowski is technically still midfielder on the roster, and they'll sub him out of the box. But, like, Danowski, Karate, uh, Rannigan, you know, these guys kind of on their, their second half of their careers. Um, I could see them maybe going for some younger legs out there that can go back and, uh, you know, really get anchored by Galloway on defense. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, I think... Uh, that's a smart, smart way of thinking, I think, Mike. I like that. Yeah. I think it's it's tough, though, with this draft. I, I didn't feel like there was a lot of uh, midfield talent a top end midfield talent and two way midfield talent uh, with all the uncertainty around some guys coming back for 50 years, or in some cases like Doc can play in another sport. Um, but yeah, that, it's definitely a need for Chrome for sure. Um, and moving on to the chaos fifth pick, I have Michael Krause at a UVA. Um, a lot of guys in their mock drafts had him going a lot higher. Uh, this guy is a great um, all-around attackman who can dodge, shoot, pass. And I think he's takes a little bit of that creative pressure off of Connor Fields. Uh, we talked about, in our, again, in our preview, Chaos being too reliant on Connor Fields to run everything. And I think Kraus takes a lot of that pressure off. Yeah, Kraus is a, I mean, Kraus is a stud. I mean, I, if he falls to the Chaos at at five and they don't pick him, they are making a huge mistake because um, he's he's certainly as good as the guys they have right now. And I think he just helps create more challenging uh, fight for time between Ficaro, you'd have Ficaro, Kraus, Fields, Byrne, uh, Miles Thompson. I mean, you run those guys through in that fast-paced offense of theirs and maybe run one or two of them through the midfield. You got a, you got a really good group of guys. Yeah, I, I, I'm not too against this pick, and it's it's a confusing one because, like you said, all the kids who we don't know what they're going to do, and I mean, at this point, if I was the chaos, if there was one of those midfielders where we don't know what they're going to do, if they were on the board, I might be taking one of them instead of an attackman, just just thinking about needs for chaos, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, if, if Kraus doesn't get taken by chaos at this point, and we haven't really even brought his name up in conversation with the first four. Uh, but he is really that two-point shooter, can create his own shot. Um, he should be going the first round no matter what. Yeah, he's definitely a first-round talent. Um, it'd be, it definitely shocks some people if he fell to fifth. Um, but who knows? This, this is my mock draft. I make the rules. Well, just think about this, though. Like, it, last year, Grant Amen was the top attackman, and so we're all kind of going off of that. But just a year prior to that, Michael Krause basically drew all the number ones and was probably the considered why they consider the top attackman in the in the country. 
And then, you know, so is, is Grant Ament uh, four picks better than Michael Kraus? I mean, I, I don't know that he is. Like, I think Michael Kraus is at the same level as Ament in terms of generational talent, shooting, creating, you know, building, building around. So, yeah, guess have to take this if he's still here at five. So the Redwoods have the next pick, six overall. I have them taking Peyton Smith, Fogo out of Marist. I think mean, this is a no-brainer. I think he's the number one face-off guy on everyone's board. Uh, and Redwoods have a need for it. So it's it's a no-brainer for Redwoods at six if he's still here. Uh, Peyton Smith is good. Hashtag analysis. Um, <laughs> is there, is there anything else we that need to hard say? hard-hitting analysis but, we have out here. Peyton yeah. Smith, good at face-offs. I mean, Grunlian retires and like Ragonis is awesome. Like no doubt about it, but you want to create some competition there. So of course you bring in Peyton Smith and you create competition and, and then you, you're better at the faceoff dot and Redwoods have great defense. So, you know, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. The Redwoods really, really need this pick. And like I said, a few picks ago, you know, the water dogs not having a faceoff guy. Um, if they do not take the faceoff guy, the Redwoods can get Smith because Chrome and Chaos don't need face-off. They got their guys. Um, and if Redwoods don't get Peyton Smith, it could be ugly. You know, they're going to have to look um, look around the league, maybe look around guys they could sign up because um, Greg Beast was just – he's just irreplaceable. And if they don't get a face-off guy, I think the next guy available on the board that would fit perfectly into that offense is Gaudet. So if you if you're Redwoods and you pick Audet, what do you do with your uh, Garnsey, Kavanaugh, and Hennenberg attack? Do you bump one to midfield? Because um, I felt like Hennenberg played that righty finisher role for Redwoods last year. He did, but he also got subbed out uh, for Westberg here and then. So I, they see him as exchangeable because they don't see him as the main creator, and he could be. And early in the season, he was. It's going to be weird to see them, uh, how their whole offense goes, because Garnsey kind of took over in the second half of the season. Um, but we know that Jules could be that guy. I just think Gaudette, as a finisher with all these creators around, uh, would just have a field day. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I think if you, if you pick Gaudette, you're, you're picking for this year. You're picking to win the championship this year, and you're saying – our defense will make enough stops that we just want to have as much offensive talent to run through to make sure we score, you know, 14 goals. And, and it, you know, cause it, cause that's really what it comes down to, right? Like, are you picking for this year where you have this weird setup that you have to basically be able to win, you know, whatever five games in, in eight days, or do you pick for the next five years where most, most years you'll play once a week and you'll have plenty of time to rest where you're going to play this, you know, the same three or four attackmen the whole game. You know, so I think if you pick Caudet here, you're kind of the Redwoods are showing their hand of what they think they have for this year. Yeah, I think that was a really good point and kind of goes into our next um, pick where it's a team that has good defense, um, has a good faceoff guy and proven they can win games. And that's the defending champs whip snakes closing out the first round. And I've been picking Matt Gaudet. I think they lost a lot of um, off-ball talent around Rambo. And I think um, Gaudet fills that spot perfectly. He's that perfect guy who will be on the backside pipe whenever Matt Rambo goes to his left hand. 
Um, and he's going to be super dangerous. I mean, you can't slide off him. If you slide off him to stop Rambo, he's going to find them and score a goal. And I don't, I don't think there's a more perfect fit in this draft than Matt Gaudet to uh, whip snakes. Well, yeah, and the other, the other thing is it creates competition at the attack spot with uh, Zed Williams, who came over from the MLL. But then on top of that, Williams played some midfield for UVA in his uh, college days. And I would imagine that, you know, Staggs would put Williams through the midfield because he's he's a really good player. Uh, what do we say? Was it over 700 points in high school? Is that what it was? <laughs> I think it goes up by 100 every few years. That's what I've oh, heard. Does, okay, yeah. <laughs> so maybe over 800 now by, by this time, right? Uh, but anyways, I think it helps them on offense. And, I mean, they, they don't need any help on defense. So, yeah, they, they just need to score, keep that goal scoring up. That's all. Yeah, I think uh, – see, I, I, I'm – because I have the weird mock draft and if, if guys were to get taken, you know, I always think what what would they take instead. So if Gaudette was to get taken, and I would love to see him on the whip snakes, you know, we'll see how this all shakes out. But I think that that need – looking at their roster, um, and they have the talent, obviously. They have that core defense. They got Burn Lauren net. Uh, but this league is about having that next guy up you know, that depth guy that could come in and make that same impact. And as far as defenders that we were talking, we had Mellon up there and you had a Vanchik up there, right, from Penn. If Mellon is the only one to go before uh, the Whipsnakes are up, I could see them taking that next best guy and just adding to that level of talent that they have at defense. Yeah, it wouldn't be bad. Maybe good for them to have more guys and, and also like have uh young and um oh my gosh i'm laying on his name the other maryland defender uh helping them kind of create that culture don and earnhardt yeah don and earnhardt that helps create that culture down low of like what they want how they do things and that type of stuff yeah that would be uh scary if uh what i think the best defensive team in the league got better on defense and uh so with that, we close out our first round, and now we're on to round two of John Murray's mock draft. Uh, Water Dogs are picking first in the second round, uh, and I have them taking Matt DeLuca out of Delaware. This is the best goalie in the draft. Um, you know, if he pans out the way people are um, seeing him, I think this is probably the best value pick in the draft so far. Uh, Water Dogs only have one goalie on their roster right now, and this is immediately creates that competition we've been talking about a lot and competition breeds success. And I think this guy can compete for a day one starter for water dogs. Yeah, I mean, why didn't this happen in round one? I mean, you, this guy's a stud. He's a, uh, he's an all American. He's played high level lacrosse. They need a goalie. I mean, their goalie on the roster is good, but they need competition there. I mean, you don't want to go in with one goalie. Uh, it's just not feasible to win in the pro level with that. You need two studs who are fighting it out every single week for, playing time and uh yeah deluca is a great pick for them if he's still here of course they should pick him yeah i couldn't agree more you know after seeing the expansion draft results i knew that and like i said i know i knew they were going to go for those those special teams guys those uh position those special position the goalie face off so you know if they if they can get them and it, hopefully they can because like i said before there's no real immediate need for a goaltender in the league especially with all the good backups i mean if you look at the rosters and see some of the backups that are on rosters you're thinking like jacob stover jacob stover can start anywhere so 
if they can if they can get right. that number one goalie from the draft, you know that's what they need. So before we move on, I nailed this pick, right? You guys both agree this is this was a good pick by the Water Dogs. Nailed it. Yeah, I mean, I think to Mike's point, like they probably they probably have a chance to to sit on this one, even though <laughs> even though they won't, uh, even though they probably should have done it in round one, they can sit on it because there's no other no other team needs a goalie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on from that awesome mock draft pick I just made, uh, we have Chrome picking second. <laughs> In round two. Uh, so this one comes with an asterisk because we're not really sure what he's doing. He hasn't made up his mind if he's coming back for his fifth year or not. And that's Jeff Teat out of Cornell. Uh, he very easily could be a – if he declared for the draft today, he's a top three pick. Um, and this is one of those where I'd probably take a flyer on him. I think he's worth um, – based on the second round talent available, I think – I take a flyer on him. I think Chrome picks Jeff Teat, and if they can get him, he fits it. He makes the number one offense um, even better. Yeah, if you guys can just humor me for a minute, I just need to to tell you the story about this guy, Jeff Teat. He is one of the best lacrosse players in the history of lacrosse. How is he making it to round two? This guy is stud. He should have picked in round one. But either way, if they can get him here, you got to pick him. Yeah, it's it, it's tough to do these do these drafts um, and put the pressure on these kids to just make their decisions. Uh, but you know, we I just want to know. I just want to know, Jeff. And he's not the only one, uh, especially for the Chrome at this pick right here. Um, I wouldn't even take Teat. You know, Teat would have been taken already. Uh, I'm looking at the big. Raleigh midfielder in Connor Fletcher um, that every time he got the ball and I was watching, it just seemed like he was a pro player out there playing against college kids. And I think that he's another one where we, I'm, I'm looking at the Twitter feeds waiting for you to make your announcement because I just want to know. Yeah. Jeff and Connor Fletcher are, are gosh. Wouldn't it be nice to know what they're doing right now so we could have this guy available for the draft on on Wednesday? We could blow this whole uh, mock draft up because do you take Teat or Amen first overall? Amen. That's for another yeah. day. Yeah, that's can't couldn't go wrong with either of them. I mean, I remember Teat, I think his biggest accomplishment was being that number one guy on that Team Canada run, like 19 years old playing against the best players in the world. Uh, that was just an amazing performance by him. I think I was like, this guy's, he's already special, but like he's going to be a generational talent. Yeah, he's an animal. So moving on to the third pick in the second round, we have the Atlas picking, and I have them taking attackman Andrew Pettit out of Lehigh. Um, this guy had... Big injury last year. Really hard to not see him play. Uh, he worked his way back, um, put on a few highlight goals that he's good for. Um, I think he's a plug-and-play guy at the next level. Um, I think this is a good value pick for Atlas, third overall in the second round. Yeah, I mean, uh, Andrew Pettit's a awesome pick because he's really, really good. But I, I don't know. I just don't understand why the Atlas would add more offense. They, you know, in this mock draft, we have two offensive picks for them, and they were they gave up some of the most goals in the in the league last year, and, and they have a really good goalie in Cannon. So 
I, I feel like the what they need to do is pick up another defender here as opposed to more offense. You know, unless they're just going to try and win games 25-24, it's, it's more about, like, how can we stop other teams? That'd be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I'm not complaining about that. It's <laughs> a lot of fun. But, but yeah. And, and also, Tucker Durkin and Carl Hartzell are, are studs at defense, but I think Mike mentioned this earlier about a couple guys on Chrome. They're on the second half of their careers, you know, getting some new guys in who can step in behind them and start to learn and, and get better. You know, you, you need that now so that you don't, have like two or three years we have to pick defenders you know five in a row yeah i'm with you punch i'm with you punch uh they got Cade van rapports down there who's their young guy uh who was there i believe their first pick last year in the draft yeah he was. so i i wouldn't be surprised if they go especially you know scooping up someone real good in the second round i don't know what jt giles harris plan is um maybe they could get jack keelty at that point uh both those defenders, um, I could see, you know, they, they're they're both like little mini Tucker Durkins right now, and they look like pro lacrosse players. <laughs> yeah, word on the street for JT Giles Harris is fifth year playing another sport somewhere. That's what I've heard. Yeah, um, I think I think I saw an article he was playing football somewhere, but I, I don't remember to be honest. So moving on, fourth pick in the second round held by the Archers. I have them picking another, we'll call it asterisk player because we don't really know what they're doing. And that's Jack Kilty out of Notre Dame. I feel like he really would help them defensively. It's um, they, they pick, obviously, number one, 1-1 one, one with great ambient, uh helping that offense. And I think they go defense in the second round. But this is another guy where we don't really know what he's doing. Uh, but I think he's probably the best available defender right now. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame defenders are just, they're like robots, man. They they talk, they bust their butts. I mean, why would you not want a guy like that on your team? So I think it helps them a lot. And if they're picking Amen, they've solidified their offense up. They probably have too many scorers. And so now, like, you know, shore up the defense a bit. Um, and I don't think there's a second faceoff guy that I love. Uh, in the draft, so I think since Peyton Smith's well, probably gone, there is, but he's coming back to Yale. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, sure, yeah, he would have been number one overall, probably. But uh, you know, since Ireland's not available, I think this is the right pick for them. You know, if they don't get Peyton Smith in the first round, this is the move. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I couldn't agree more. Um, because the you know the archers, archers stacked on offense. Um, you know they can. They could use a little work on maybe the defensive midfield focus. Um, but, I mean, even last year, um, you know, that, that wasn't really that wasn't really how they're, you know, why they're losing games. So I, I could see it. I could see it for sure. So now with the fifth pick in the second round, we have the chaos selecting. And I have them picking defender Tom Rigney at Army. I think this adds another... Um, Defenseman to chaos. Uh, they went offensive in the first round for me. Uh, I think they go again defensive in the second round and try to, um, you know, try stopping teams this year instead of just outscoring them with Connor Fields. So we'll see how it goes for them. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're on something here, John. You nailed two in a row. Um, you're finding the the way to hit the nail into the into the wood. It's good. Watch your thumb. It's probably a little sore. Uh, the uh, 
the defense of the chaos needed to get better, but I think more importantly, they play really fast and they need they need more depth with the way this year is going to go in terms of so many games in so few days. You need to be able to run five defenders down low in addition to one or two LSMs. And so I think Rigney's perfect. Not to mention he's got rapport with Sertic already. So he and Sertic can play together with, and they already know each other's kind of calls and stuff like that. And what are you going with the Redwoods in their next pick? So Redwoods, number six uh, in the second round. I have them taking Miles Silva, attackman out of Army. Um, this guy's high on a lot of lists. Um, could be going higher, uh, but I think he falls down to the Redwoods. And this is just another guy. Um, I feel like they need some more offensive firepower. Um, as much as I love a lot of their guys' games, um, I just don't think it leads to a lot of production. They'll score when they need to, but they're not outgunning anyone uh, yet. And I think they just need to add more uh, weapons to their arsenal. Yeah, I mean, they made the championship game last year, so that's pretty good. And I feel like the pick here is going to tell us what they think of their team. Like, do they think they're another, they're one player away from a championship, or do they think that they are further away? So, in my opinion, if they're picking another attackman, they're basically saying, hey, our defense is good to go. Uh, we believe in Raganese, and we're going to try to win it. If they don't pick an attackman, maybe they, they tell you, okay, we are not sure where we sit at the faceoff dot, so we need to kind of invest in more defense, and they don't really know what this is going to be. Um, with that said, I will say that if Kielty is available here, he makes a lot of sense because then you can just have like the droid army with uh, all the Notre Dame defenders down low. and That'd, that'd be, be awesome. scary. That'd be scary. Probably a little bit of PTSD for guys who have to play them in college, having them play them at the professional level again. That would suck. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So wrapping up uh, the second round, we have Whip Snakes picking last. Of course, the defending champs. And I have them picking another um, off-ball guy that they can plug around Rambo, and that's Adam Goldner out of UPenn. This guy is a goal-scoring machine, had 50 goals for UPenn last year. I think he's kind of flying under the ra- a lot of people's radars. Um, I mean, he was uh, picked in the last round in the MLL draft. Um, I haven't seen him on any PLL big boards, but I feel like he is just a great plug-and-play in this Whip Snakes offense. It just adds another shooting uh threat um for the number one assist guy in the league last year i love goldner man he is a awesome player and i was just watching you know they've been they've been replaying all the stuff i was watching the yale Penn 2019 uh nca tournament game and yeah. goldner was awesome in that now, heartbreaker for Penn, but i love this kid he's gonna be awesome he's gonna be a great pro he's gonna work his tail off he had coached up by mike murphy at Penn. he knows how to do it he's got good class i mean He's a huge pick for these guys. If he can get, if they can get him at the end right here, I think it solidifies their chance chances to make a deep run to uh, the championship game again, possibly. So I, I love this pick. And and John, that's it. You nailed four in a row, man. Woo! There we go. It's not about how you start; it's about how you finish. That's right. Well, I'll just add this last point at the end <laughs> because uh, when you when I was looking at when you look at a uh, uh, some other mock drafts, uh, another guy. I think his uh, pro lacrosse talk had Reese Eddy, the LSM from uh, the defense LSM from Boston, 
who was second in the country in cost right. per game. You know, the guy who you know is coming into the draft, uh, is solid defender, all American before the season was cut off. Uh, I can't see him falling out of this two round draft. Someone's going to take him and. Like I said before, you know, you need that you need that depth at LSM. Those guys are running up and down the field playing a little bit of offense too. So if, if the Whipsnakes can snag him, um, I think they up their transition game. Can't argue with that. Uh, John, thanks for putting this draft together. It was awesome, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Love this stuff. Let's see if I can get a, another segment of your when you're right, you're right next week. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, Michael, thanks. Or Mike, sorry. Mike, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, any any last words for the people out there, uh, the pod listeners, that you want know, any words of advice? Some technical difficulties here. Yeah. We'll just uh, see. Okay, it looks like Mike has maybe fallen off the call here. Oh, there he is. He's back. Sorry Mike, about any that. words of wisdom for the peeps? Yes, I have words of wisdom. I want to tell the people out there to go out and play. Be proud of what you play. Um, talk about what you play. Tell the people about the PLL this summer. Tell your friends to play with you next spring. Um, and have fun with it. All right, you guys. You heard it here first. Have fun playing lacrosse. Uh, that's an order. And, uh, John, anything for the peeps before we go? I just continue to stay safe. And, uh, like Mike said, get out there when you can, uh, and like subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe to the pod. <laughs> yeah. Give us a review. People give us a review. We need reviews. Yeah, we need more reviews. Yeah. yeah the the <laughs> two reviews, five stars. Uh, one of them may have been me. I'm not saying it was, but it may have been me. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, Mike, thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And with that, this is the latest episode of Stall Warning. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on social media at 101 underscore LAX on Instagram and at 101 Lacrosse on Twitter and Facebook. Peace out. <laughs>